I feel like I, you're about to like, I feel like I'm going to get got. This isn't a gotcha podcast. This okay. is okay. I don't know if you heard the other episodes. It's very uh-huh. friendly. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, it seemed very friendly. I don't know why everyone's so nervous about this. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Long Form Conversations, the podcast where we talk about long form improv. Uh, before we introduce my guest, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, it's embarrassing to do this, but don't forget to subscribe or like or rate or whatever the platform you're using. There's so many different things now, but like you're smart, you know what to do. Help me uh, boost this podcast and share it with uh, any friends, share it with any other improvisers, anybody who's taking classes. Uh, that's what it's for. It's not really for normal people. It's for people into improv. So share it with anybody, uh, your teammates, your classmates, things like that. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, I want to go ahead and introduce um, the guest for this episode. Someone I've been wanting to have on this podcast for a while now. He is a improviser, a teacher, a small business owner, and a writer. Uh, please help me welcome Jake Jabor. Hey. How's it going, Jake? Good. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Thanks for making the drive uh, over. Oh, you know what? I walked. You walked? Yeah. That's right. I walked. I, I don't live very far away, so I don't want either of us to get doxxed, but I only live. <laughs> uh, I live about a 15-minute walk. That's so. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you walk in uh, for groceries that one time. I was like, what do you Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for um, uh, powering through the 80 degree weather we're having. Of course. Uh, are you it, getting a little sunshine about time? It's beginning to look a lot uh, like summer. Yeah, I, I was like, ooh, this will be nice. I get a little sun while I walk. Uh, so something I wanted to bring up uh, 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 with you. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're one of the rare people that I've got that's like, sorry to say, but you're like one of the most senior folks on on uh, at UCB now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're aware of that. Yeah, yeah. I did the math. You're tied. <laughs> you're like the second most senior person. I'm sure you probably already knew that. On Herald Night? Uh, uh, yeah, on all of Herald Night. I don't you're think tied, I did know you're that. You're tied for second with a but lot of people. I'm tied with second for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Wayland sure you, yeah, would be number one. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, your teammate. Yeah. It's been there the longest. Um, How's that feel? Uh, it feels, um, hmm. uh, feels odd, I guess. Uh, cause it was just like yesterday, huh? You were just like, the new no, it, do- it definitely doesn't <laughs> feel just like yesterday. I think it feels odd because I never thought that I would get to the place where, and I still don't feel that way. I don't feel, hmm. Well, this is going to be contradictory. Uh, on the one hand, I don't feel senior. Uh, I oh, I I think like bit because of my experience, um, I will always have maybe not always, but it feels the um, that I will consistently have this feeling of being on the outside. Um, mm. uh, I think. The system is also the system. I think the structure of the theater is also set up that way, that uh, whatever level you're at, uh, there's always another level that you sort of feel like I'm not a part of that level. So Mm -hmm. to say, yeah, senior on Herald Night uh, is that qualifier of like, oh, yeah. Um, But UCB as a whole, I always still feel like, oh, I'm kind of like 
uh, I feel like I'm on the outside uh, looking in. Um, but the contradictory part of that is I also do feel a little like, um, like I have a bit of senioritis where I'm like, uh, I have definitely lived through the bubble uh, where you, it, it, improv uh, in general uh, got very, very big and I think burst um, and now is much smaller. Um, even though I think it's more common, I think people know about it. it it's the uh, permeated culture. Um, it's also, it's smaller than it used to be. Uh, and it was only really big. I mean, that's why they call it a bubble, I guess. Like it was only really big for a few years. Yeah. And from my perspective, I I've been through it and, uh, it's like a fun, uh, history that I have and I can look back on it. And I'm also at the sort of place where it feels like, okay, this has served me and hopefully uh, I've served it. Um, but our journey isn't meant to like go on forever. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely like, I mean, I mean, I, I, need, I should look that up. One of what the longest tenure has ever been. Yeah. Might be Wayland. I think it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, uh, it's kind of nice though. That means it's not, this isn't the end of the road. There's so much more to look forward yes. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be graduated. You already produce other shows. There, yeah, so. yeah. Plenty more to look forward to. Plenty more. Uh, yeah. Lots of stuff on the horizon. Yeah. As far as that bubble kind of pop in, I, I, I see, I know what you mean. Yeah, de definitely as like an outsider, you can start to see it used to be so tough to, to get noticed or to, to like make friends or to meet people mm -hmm. because it was just so full uh, it felt tough to kind of stand out amongst the crowd. But I do see now, rather than having one big bubble, there are kind of like these tiny little bubbles. That yeah. Are like, yeah. Right. Gra gravitating towards one of those bubbles being we improv. Wow. Thanks. And uh, you should be proud to hear this. Uh, I don't know if you realize. I know you've been listening to all the episodes uh -huh. in the past, but five out of the last nine guests have all been we people. and They've all attributed a lot of their their growth. Wow. Their... That feels really good to hear. That's yeah. excellent. Uh, um, and we'll probably talk about this more once we get into teaching, but I just want to ask, uh, just like how everything's going with we, how do you feel about it? What are some, you know, short-term, long-term goals you have? For um, uh, let's see, but, um, it, things are going well. Well, actually uh, let's, let's, uh, I guess, preface it in case yeah. people don't know what we are. You want oh yeah. Yeah. Give uh, me the elevator, the, the podcast pitch, the podcast pitch. Uh, we improv, um, is a school, uh, and performance, uh, business uh i a troop i don't know co-op i don't uh what do they call that a theater troupe sort of i'm not sure um community? but community yeah it's a community um uh it's a school um that i uh developed uh based on some pain points i saw in the community uh with the aim being the elevator pitch being uh small group sizes um high rep uh workshops uh and weekly performance opportunities um and yeah it started uh six years ago seven years ago or something like that um and out of my apartment real the you know ibm uh uh roots uh doing it out of the garage uh and it's great it's been a lot of fun um 
I think it, it is always really nice to hear when people are uh, credit it or uh, talk positively about it. Um, it is sick or I don't know if it's cyclical, but it is like um, uh, good people attract good people. So uh, I've been very fortunate in having a program that started with people uh, who are thoughtful and kind and uh, warm and welcoming. And uh, they uh, attract other people who have that same sort of like attitude uh, and uh, I think desire to improvise and uh, be a part of something. And it, it feels very community-based. Not everybody who comes and takes workshops with me sticks around, right? Not everybody who even takes one workshop takes multiple workshops, but the people who do are always the people I'm happy did. Um, and, you know, you get all sorts of people who will take your classes and the people who kind of stick around. Uh, yeah. Are the people that I'm so happy stick around yeah. because they uh, are. Yeah, like they want to get better and they have a self-awareness and they're thoughtful and compassionate and considerate and very talented and driven and persistent. Um, and so I guess that's what I hope to continue to do. Yeah. And, you know, at the at the risk of inflating your ego, I would say a lot of that comes from the top down. And uh, when it that's comes to nice. we, you are you're the, you're the top, you're the guy. Right. So I think kind of speak to that i think we've all met them we know this community there are some people that are more competitive or more uh, uh i guess not like uh, uh team-based or not mm -hmm. really like focused on everyone else and i think they'll they'll take these classes and these workshops and they'll see you and they see how you operate and they're like this ain't for me yeah right versus the ones that do stick around they're just like oh you know uh, uh, uh jake much more my wavelength these class uh classmates that i have this these people at these come to these that come to these shows, they're all the same wavelength. So, you know, it's like you mentioned, like attracts like. Yeah. And yeah. Well if you said. had been a competitive, mean jerk, those people would have been like, Yeah, hell yeah, this guy gets I would have uh, held on to those types of people. That's very kind yeah. of you to say. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, it's probably because I am one of those people. That's right. You are, <laughs> thankfully. Did I just compliment myself? You did. You did a great job. That was nice. Yeah. So we yeah. slid that right in there. Yeah. That was excellent. And I'm nice too. Yeah, you are nice. All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and jump into our uh, first segment, which okay. is going to be an improv syndrome. This is your opportunity to talk about your improv journey, how you got to where you are. And uh, my main focus, I, I should probably be like priming my uh, guests for this too. Like I'll also bring up like those, those moments where you kind of felt unsure of yourself. Because uh, the whole point is not for people to be like, look how great I am, look how much I've done. Yeah. It is more so like I've been in your shoes. There have been times when I have fallen in my you know face first and then I persevered. Through. Yeah. Um, I had I had a friend uh, that I'd known since elementary school who moved out to L.A. Uh, he told me about the UCB theater. He said, like, I saw Sarah Silverman for five bucks. Um <laughs> And I came out to California kind of wanting to be in LA, but also having family in San Diego. And at the time when he like told me that he was like, if you came out tomorrow, I could get you a job as like a runner uh, or like a PA or something. Uh, it took me like six months to get out here. And then he was like, I don't know. I can't get you a job anymore. Uh, so I lived in San Diego, but I came up here. He took me to the theater 
Uh, we went to ASCAT. Uh, and then I bought it hook, line, and sinker, right? I had a great time at ASCAT. Uh, at the end of ASCAT, they go, and if you want to learn how to do this, we teach classes. And he had, uh, he was enrolled in classes. Um, uh, my friend Will, I went to his class show. Uh, I think it was a 201 or a 301. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, I need something to do. I was like pretty lonely. Uh, I was living in the Inland Empire, but I was coming to shows. And so I signed up for 101 because uh, I went to his class show. It seemed like approachable, accessible. Uh, and so I was like, but then I got really nervous. I was like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. Uh, what am I doing? And I took 101. Um, and I think I had three teachers. Uh, Will McLaughlin was our 101, but then he booked something. Uh, so we had Chad Carter for one day. Uh, and then we had Julie Brister for the rest of it. And um, they were all really great. Uh, I really had so much fun. I thought everybody was just going to keep taking classes. And like six or seven of us did. We took our 201 together. And then four of us took our 301 together. And then by the time I took my 401, it was just me and Ryan Rosenberg. That's uh, I met him in 101. Uh, we moved in together. Um and it became like everything we did. We were always going to Harold Knight. Yeah. How quickly were you taking these? Were these like back to back to back? Yeah, I took 101 through 401, just pretty much back to back to back. Um, didn't really even understand what the Harold process was or what Harold was. Or I like had, no, I start, you know, they say go to shows. So I'd go to Harold Knight. But I wasn't like, oh, Harold Knight, ASCAT, Facebook. Or at the time it was my space. Like I didn't differentiate it. I didn't know. I wasn't taking it ever to be like, I'm going to be up there. I was just like, I can't believe you can pay money to goof around. Like it, it was so fun. For you, was it more like social or was it like uh, self-development or? Uh... Yeah, it was social, I think, but I don't think I identified it that way. Um, uh you know, in retrospect, it's like, that's how I was making my friends. Um, that's how I made my friends. But at the time it was like, I thought I was funny and here was a class I could take that would help me be funnier. Like that was it. Uh, it was just taking it to take it cause it was fun. And, uh, Will had a, a practice group, uh, and he invited me to sit in on the practice group. And again, I was like, I almost called and bailed. It was like a Sunday in Century City. I had to like drive out there and I was so nervous to like do a practice group. What were you nervous about? I didn't know the other people in the group. Ah. Um, And he was like, we got a coach. We got Joe Hartzler from Flap Jackson. And at the time I like, I knew the names of the people on Herald Night. I like fanned over them. Mm. Uh, And so I was like nervous about like, meeting him and then him having me him seeing me do comedy um yeah that was like uh i don't know every step of the way i was just like oh god i'm so nervous um so i did that i started a couple other practice groups uh indie improv just started popping up it was at a time when ucb would advertise tnt 
in their classes. They'd be like, form a group, submit to TNT. Then Crash Bar came and Shakedown and Room 101 and all these other ones. Uh, and I was like, I don't know, on four or five practice groups. Yeah. And it was like, it really was just like goofing around. And sorry, not to date you or anything, but was the clubhouse open at this time? No. So what was the indie scene looking like? Because you said four or five practice groups. Like, what do you, what would you do with them? Just practice. Uh, you'd submit to TNT, but it'd be like three months. Yeah. There, there was a handful of shows. They'd be at the clubhouse, or not the clubhouse, the complex. There was a theater row that has since been turned into a vet. There were all, I drove like, I did one in like some weird garage. Like I was just driving all over if we'd get the chance to do shows, but it was mostly just, you'd practice to practice. It was two hours to be funny. It was like, I never did sports. I never, I didn't know there was a place you could go to showcase the thing I thought I was good at, which was like being funny. And this was it. It was like for two hours, that's our only aim is to make each other laugh. It was like this rules. Um, yeah. And uh, I had, can I ask you a question before yeah. I jump into that? Because that, that's interesting. That's such a different world. And it makes me so grateful to, to have this scene and to have joined at a time when things were, you know, growing and, and there were plenty of opportunities. Uh, but uh, uh, when you would, you know, so I'm guessing the ratio is pretty low where you would do like maybe five, 10 practices for every one performance, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I have that. Did that make it tougher for you to get up? Because I think there are a lot of people that are kind of in that that same like you know classes are like eight weeks for one show wrap. yeah you know how'd you feel about those shows <laughs> terrified yeah. uh tnt was the only show and i remember uh, uh god i can't even remember killer whale i think was the name of the team uh that was the team that will asked me to join we got a tnt show uh joe hartzler came to watch us i said like one funny thing and like one line uh, and felt on top of the world. And I was like, that was awesome. Um, but I was like, so nervous because there were people from Herald Night there. There were, it was packed because it was the only indie show in town. It was like, um, you know, when your class shows have like five people watching or something. So it was like, it, it, it was this insane thing that was like, I was lucky I did one thing. Um, and uh, yeah, that, and, and then there were Harold auditions and I remember doing my first Harold audition and like, uh, terrified. Uh, I, I did, I made every wrong choice you could make. Oh, we got warmed up and I kicked ass at the warm up. Like, Oh man, those three line scenes. Am I right? I crushed those three line <laughs> scenes. I crushed whatever else we did. And I was like, and I walked into that room uh, and it was all these people that I'd seen on Herald night that I didn't really know. I didn't understand the process. Um, I fucking ate shit. Uh, I did the like denial thing where it's like somebody initiates and then I change what our relationship is to make them seem weird. Mm -hmm. Um, and how, how, uh, at what point of the improv journey was this like a year in or two years? Yeah. In? Yeah. A year in a year. Uh, like first opportunity you could. Yep. First opportunity I could do it. You used to be able to sign up as a team. So we all signed up together. Oh, wow. Yeah. You had to go to Franklin in person and sign up as a team. And I, then we signed up and we had a spot, all of us together. Uh, that's insane. It's insane. That sounds like a, 
recipe for like drama. Yeah. Well, and then we hung out that weekend or whatever. And five out of the seven of us or something all got emails saying they got callbacks. I didn't get a callback. Uh, they went and did their callback. And I didn't really, I was like, well, whatever. I didn't, I, I did good. not bother me because it was like, I just started. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they all, and then, I don't know, the second audition, I mean, I could go through them all, you know, but the, it How many was were like, there? Uh, eight or nine. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I, it took me longer to get on. I, I think I might be in the record holding near there too. And at that point, were they happening twice a year or were they happening uh, once a year? They were happening once a year. And then I was there for the first year of mess hall. Uh, and they didn't really even tell you that you were auditioning for mess hall. Um, which was like, is now Lloyd. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't tell us that's what it was. So it was like, we did a Herald audition. And then somebody I was on a text with was like, do you know what this mess hall is? They asked me to do mess hall. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Oh, back then it was like invitational. Yeah. And they, and it was like, oh, they d built the Herald teams and then they asked people to do mess hall. Yeah. Then six months later, they did a mess hall audition. I did that. I got on mess hall. I had a real shitty time um i was like i'm never doing that again wait really quick before we jump too far uh yeah um, at this time was ucb the only game i mean obviously second city and io but like the schools were they the only games in towns or were there also like these smaller workshops there were no smaller workshops boot camp yeah. started uh but i couldn't do boot camp because it was during the day yeah. um but there were nothing there was none of these little workshops i took maybe one of the first ones uh, with uh, a teacher who had who I signed up to take that 401 with. Then he taught a workshop. I took that workshop. Then he was like, you should teach a workshop. And he put me up to, he set me up to teach a workshop and nobody signed up for it. Uh, and so it was one of those things where I like put myself out there to teach a workshop. Nobody signed up. And then you just had to be like, okay, well, that didn't work. Like I thought I knew everything. And I had sort of stepped away from the like spotlight. So when I was auditioning, it was like, I didn't know the people, but a lot of people who came up after me got on teams. Uh, Ryan, my roommate, we were still roommates at the time. He got on a team. I wasn't able to do boot camp. They were all bonding, doing boot camp. Like I really felt on the out. Then I started to get in my head about it. Like my auditions were just getting worse and worse. And then I reached this weird point where it was like, everybody knew who I was. So even when my auditions were good, it was like people knew that I could do better. So it was actually working against me a little bit because it was like, I was having an okay audition, but people were like, he's usually better than that. Like I, and then I was like choking under the pressure. Um, to like, to see a lot of your peers, a lot of your friends uh, uh, and, you know, teammates mm -hmm. get on, uh, 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 how did that make you feel about it? Was that more validating? It's like, Hey, I, I've played with them. I, I can keep up, so to speak with other. Um, it was hard. It, it, it honestly was hard. Uh, it, uh, it was really tough. Like in retrospect, it's like, I don't know that I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad I achieved it. Uh, it came at a greater cost than maybe I will realized and it's something that i still am working through uh because uh, uh, now i believe that 
improv, uh, above all else, is about socializing. Uh, it is about community. And the audition process can really tell people, it can really make you feel like I can't socialize uh, or these other people are better at hanging out or other people picked them to hang out with and not me to hang out with. And the truth of it is, is all those practice groups I was on, uh, all those like indie shows that I was doing, that was the goal. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it's like, these people want to hang out with me. These people want to socialize with me. And I'm having the most fun I've ever had. And I thought that if I could get onto that team, that would say like, it would validate me. But, and sure, it does validate in some ways, but it wasn't the reward. The reward I had been getting for the last eight years, which is like, these people want to hang out and spend time with me. And the other people, they have their group that they want to hang out and spend time with. So I, I didn't have the best outlook, but I just yeah. kept doing it because I couldn't not, do it. Uh, yeah, that's something that I've, I've realized um, since getting on Lloyd. And also, I think something that, our, you know, my generation of my uh, like uh, era of improvisers, we're very blessed and very lucky to to know that. Like, I, I said it, I think, to, to Eli uh, on his episode, but like, I was very lucky that the pandemic happened and all the, you know, major schools shut down and that whole idea of like being competitive or feeling accepted or rejected or, or basically just putting my own self-worth or value into like a third party was gone. And all that there was, was just the indie scene. So we got to see the forest from the trees. And I, I think, I think we all got to appreciate the fact that the, you know, like the, the, the journey is the destination, right? It is. Yeah. So like in, in like uh, uh, submitting for shows and starting groups and teams, that was all, or that was the, uh, the validation that we got or needed or, or valued. So then kind of having this kind of rear its ugly head back and say, hey, by the way, auditions coming back in. I don't know how everyone else feels about it. And obviously I have a bias because I, I got on Lloyd, but part of me was just like, you know, if this doesn't work out or if I don't get it this time around, it's going to be fine because I've already done the work of like building a really strong support system, a really strong base of friends where I'm going to be good for the next, whatever it is, you know, 11 months until the next mm -hmm. audition season. I think that that is, I'm, I'm guessing really hard to have seen that or to realize that because one, the NEC is probably smaller. And then two, that was kind of just the cycle, right? Of every single year, this is going to happen, but to have this break from it, uh, uh, you know, myself and some of the peers that I've talked to, we're kind of just like, Oh yeah. You know, we're in it because we love the game and UCB and, and, house team that's one place to play the game but we can play it in so many other ways and places yeah uh that's great that's such a great perspective to have i i could have benefited from that um it you know uh, the, yeah too bad there wasn't a pandemic when you were coming up yeah too bad uh i could have <laughs> you i mean i needed that forced break too but it was like i was constantly striving for acceptance but the whole time i'd already been accepted yeah uh everything that i'm most proud of was the result of being rejected during an audition. So uh, I wrote a sketch show um, that got a run uh, as uh, when I got rejected. I uh, co-created We're Gross uh, with Gilly. 
uh, after being rejected. I started the Meet Improv podcast after being rejected. I um, uh, took a pilot writing class and wrote a pilot. Uh, everything that I did that I, I wrote another sketch show. Like I directed one. Every time I got rejected, I like, rejection is a biological response. It's more meant to feel bad because it is supposed to get you to do the thing to not be rejected, to be a part of the tribe, the pack, right? So you are supposed to feel like, ooh, I got to kick uh, my shit into gear. And, you know, people would point that out because it was like, oh, I had we're gross. Like I had a monthly show at the theater before I got on Herald night. Like I got a sketch show. Uh, I ha I got a sketch show to get a run without ever taking a sketch class before I got on Herald night. Um, and I still was like, but I want to get on Herald night. Like I wrote a rap about it and performed it. at We're gross. And it was a disaster. Uh, and everybody was like, you know, you skip the line. Like yeah. you got to do your own show. And I couldn't see that. I was like, yeah, but I'm not accepted by the thing I love so much. And everybody with kid gloves was like trying to tell me, no, you have been accepted. Look at all these people. Um, and I just didn't see it. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I the, la the last year I auditioned was the last year I was going to audition. Like, I really I was like, because uh two years prior to that i i ate shit i showed up in a tuxedo because i ran from a wedding to make my call back i got in my head i didn't listen at all to the monologues i participated in a group game where i lied about being sick that was my only contribution i i've never shit the bed that hard in my life i sat in on auditions i've never seen anybody do as bad as i did i did the worst and that and it got back to me that people were like, that was, everybody was rooting for you. That was the year you were supposed to get on and you just did so bad. They couldn't put you on. Uh, and then the next year, it was like, there were rumors that it was like, I was on a team and I was pulled off a team and then I was back on a team. I was pulled off a team and I didn't get on that year. And I you, was like- You had gossip about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of gossip. And then- Well, what's the truth? What's, what's the fact of the matter? I don't know what the truth is, uh, but there was a thing where it was like, you know, there's supposed to be an eighth team and you were on that eighth team. And like, and now I could probably ask uh, and find out. But um, and the last year I was like, this is it. I either do it or I don't do it. Uh, and it just it. I mean, I was good, but I wasn't I got lucky. Uh, my partner was a lunatic and it was easy to like play the voice of reason. Um, and then, but the year I got on, they did second callbacks and I was asked to do another scene, a special, Oh, a special scene. scene. Okay. So this is the ninth time I've auditioned and I had to do a second callback and a second scene. And I was like, you guys got to, you haven't seen me improvise enough. I've been <laughs> doing this for a decade. You guys need to see me do one more scene. I was like, either I'm on or I'm not on. Um, and, and so like, uh, uh, it's very interesting that that, you know, that, uh, that mindset that you have where it's like, you guys don't know me by now, but I think that what kind of, what that kind of speaks to is that they don't look at your cumulative record, do they? They kind of have to judge you. I mean, that's kind of like it, reassuring that they, they yeah. base it only on the addition and the addition only. 
and it varies year to year and who's the AD and stuff. But it was like, I mean, I had my good friends sitting in on the Herald committee, like people who were texting me going like, hey, I'm in the room just so you know, don't freak out. Like, mm-hmm. and I love that support. The flip side of that is like, it was hard to be judged by my friends. <laughs> like, I'm sure, yeah. It was really like, I, I don't have the self-esteem or the self-image to handle that really well, right? Um, that's all to say, I look at the teams on the years that were made that I didn't get on. And there's not a there's not a world in which I would have been put on bitchin if it didn't break the way it broke. And I'm so happy to be on that team. Uh, I love those people. And there were multiple times when I was on Herald that I wanted to quit, that I was like, I did it. I got on. I don't think this is for me. Um, I still feel that way sometimes, but it is never because of bitching. And that was my third Herald team. And I can't imagine a team that I would be more happy to be on. Um, uh, and I think it's very rare and it wouldn't have happened if it didn't happen the way it happened. So that's the upside to it. The downside to it is like, yeah, there was a lot of like, oh, this is fucking stupid. What am I doing? I'm bad at this. What am I doing? Do you think in that final audition, because it sounds to me that like you didn't have a different approach. You didn't like, oh, that's the year it clicked or whatever. You were just going to continue to be yourself. But do you think maybe the, the mindset of like, this is it, go for broke, had that, did that play a role or did you have any other strategic? Way? I wish I could have said that. I wish I could say that I was like cool as a cucumber and like, fuck it. Yeah. I just asked. Uh, this is hyperbole, um, but uh, rejection um, and those high tense situations uh, can create mild trauma, right? Uh, and biologically, your brain doesn't recognize mild trauma from severe trauma. Uh, trauma is trauma, right? And if you are put back in a situation that was traumatic for you, it will reignite those feelings. Uh, so at some point it became increasingly difficult for me to get on Herald night because I was revisiting a traumatic experience. Um, so the last year that I did it, I wasn't any more calm. Uh, I did read the inner game of tennis, which I attribute to a lot of success. I had that year of being like, that's exactly what I was trying to do. I was forcing it. I was trying hard as opposed to being relaxed and just being effortful. And I did be more present uh, and I was being effortful, um, but I had tried everything before that. And it was just like, yeah, part of the experience. But it was like, at that point, I was talking to people who'd never auditioned before, uh, who didn't come with all this baggage. And I was entering into it feeling like, this is awful. Every time I do this thing, I feel awful. Uh, but, you know, I just was... The, just the audition, though, not improv in general. Yeah, just the audition process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. But again, it's like, yeah, there, there's all these different situations where it's like, I could have got on earlier if I got somebody that I was easy to voice of reason with or if I hadn't fucked up three or four times, I wouldn't have been nervous the fifth time and, uh, or whatever, you know, it's like, uh, I, I tried to do them in the morning. I tried 
the evening auditions. I like tried every sort of thing and it's like, it didn't have anything to do at that point. It was like, I was already coaching. I was already, I had an improv podcast. I was doing all this stuff that was making me very happy. Um, it was just this like little thing hanging over and I got it felt great. Uh, and then it went back to like, Oh, everything I thought that that was going to do, I got on the way to that. Yeah. Uh, one last question I'll have to ask. And, uh, this is something that I think is not going to apply to everybody, but uh, especially with this past season, uh, I, I don't know, but probably one of the biggest classes ever of new house team members. <laughs> do you have any advice or anything you want to say about your first, uh, you know, freshman, sophomore years of. Oh Harold? man. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be advice that I was given too, and it's like I didn't take it. I don't know that I can, but it's like try and not be so precious with it. Uh, I I was so tense my freshman year on Harold Night, and and a lot of that isn't you can't help. It is, it's a tense situation. It is the structure of it. Everything around it is like uh, adds pressure and stakes, but. Um, it it is uh it, you know improv is an imperfect art form i say that all the time uh so you can always leave a show going like i did this wrong this didn't work whatever i think you should train your brain to focus on what did work and focus on what you had fun doing i think it is a rare thing it's even more rare now that you get to have fun in front of a crowd like that have fun in front of a crowd like that. Like uh, you can do, you can hold it tightly. You can do everything textbook and it's not going to change the fact that it all comes to an end at some point. And maybe it comes to an end in a year. Maybe it comes to an end in four years, uh, but it will end. And the, the amount of time I get to improvise is getting whittled down. Uh, you know, it's especially the way it's set up now, right? It's like, oh, I used to improvise every week on Herald Night on top of doing my indie show, uh, on top of whatever, doing the podcast. So it was like I was improvising three or four times a week. And due to some choices I made and some choices that were made that I didn't have control over, it's like I improvised twice a month. And if... I make space for myself at we. Um, so I went from three or four times a week to twice a month. And the future looks like I may be very fortunate if I get to do it once a month. And you can always put in the time to book shows and do that stuff, but it's harder. Uh, it's harder the older you get, you have more commitments. People, other people have other commitments doing things like that. So it always, I tell everybody, every improv team has a shelf life. Uh, don't be precious about it, but especially that house team situation of like, have some fun, really have fun, be, and don't try and have fun, just relax and enjoy the, the notion that like, you get to do something that very few people get to do. And you can try and force and hold everything, but it doesn't mean 
it's going to last forever. And I would rather have it last for a shorter amount of time where I was having fun than have it last for a longer amount of time because I was like very rigid and trying to make everything click into place. That's great. Really great advice. Really appreciate you kind of giving us that perspective. Thanks. Yeah. We're going to move on to our next segment, which is our topic of the week. Now, the topic that uh, uh, I threw out to you, and I'm really glad that you chose it, is uh, what does it take to be a teacher slash coach? Yeah. But I will also say, uh, sorry, to, you mentioned <laughs> that you, you're worried this is a gotcha podcast. Yeah. I am going to gotcha okay. for a second. Because the other topic that I, I, I threw out to you was uh, 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 how to be a a mentor or how to be like a, a role model in improv. Mm-hmm. And you said, I think I'm more comfortable with the, the former. Yeah. But I think it's curious because I think that these two things go hand in hand, being a teacher and a coach in some ways you are stepping in for that role of a, a role model and a mentor. And mm-hmm. kind of like you mentioned earlier, you know, like uh, being the face of your own school uh, uh, for, for better or worse, whether you like it or not, you kind of already are that. So uh, I'm kind of, I'm sorry to call this audible on you. No, no. I kind of want to combine these topics. Okay, great. Like, what does it take to be a, a teacher, coach, slash mentor, slash role model? Yeah. Because I want to say, I guess I'll start off by uh, uh, tossing this up to you. I think that that is a unofficial title that you have as a coach or a mentor or mm-hmm. a coach or a teacher that you are going to be a role model. Yeah. So it's kind of like. I, I, I don't I don't think you can say you can't separate the two. You can't say, oh, I may be a teacher and I may be shaping, you know, young improv careers, but don't look up to me. I'm like, right. I am not a role model. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, that is the thing that I am trying. If I am modeling anything, it is don't look to me to model because I did that. I I I, I looked up to so many improvisers who I was like, I want to they've got it all figured out. I want to be doing what they're doing. And then it was like, I'd either get to know them or see from a distance. And it was like, Oh, they don't have a clue. Uh, we all go, that person's got it figured out. And that person who you think has it figured out is also looking to somebody else to go like that person's got it all figured out. Um, and it goes all the way up to Amy Poehler. It does. Uh, (laughs) You don't think Amy Poehler's like, I got to win an Emmy. I got to get an Oscar, right? Like, uh, whoever it is, is like that. that, And that's a little bit of the bummer of this, like, um, you know, ladder rung kind of system in place of like, I want people to know that they're where they're at is a great place to be. Um, and don't look to me because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I can tell you what my experience was and that's what it takes to be a coach or a teacher. Um, I think is like, here's my experience, but you have your experience that will always be a better teacher than anything I can say. Um, my job is to create a space for you to feel safe, uh, and to take risks, to explore and to have a good time. And, I, you know, I try and use the term facilitator as much as coach. Cause it's like, I was joking with somebody the other day. It's like, yeah, there's like people who I might be like, you two are going to be in that corner doing initiations for the next 30 minutes. And it's like, that's what a coach would do. A coach would be like, run this. Uh, I'll check in on you in 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, but that's not my job. My job is to facilitate and say like, you found people you want to play with. You have the best thing in the world. Enjoy that. 
make something that's your own. Do not give up what you have for something you think you want. Yeah. Um, and I think that role model thing uh, or that mentor thing or whatever is like, if I'm hanging around doing improv, uh, I'm doing it because I like doing it. Um, but it's not because I have all the answers. Yeah. So it sounds to me like one of the first things you should, you should consider before you become a teacher or a mentor is to even just have that healthy relationship with improv where you recognize that uh, uh, everybody who's coming out here is going to make mistakes, but to not, not like make them, well, you shouldn't feel like they're making a mistake. And then second of all, you should imprint on them that what they're doing is bad or wrong. Yeah. You're going to get better. You, there's a and reason your students are going to get better. Yes. Everybody's going to get better, you know? And like, I had a lot of success early on as a coach yeah. in part because I had teaching experience. So I knew what to look for. Right. Um, and when I say what to look for, it's like so little of it had to do with improv. Like I said, I'm yeah. just now fine tuning improv exercises, ways to improve that actual technical procedural thing. Yeah. But creating a space and an environment uh, and sort of like scan. Does everybody seem comfortable? Look for look at body yeah. language. Look at the way people are standing. Uh, look for who's initiating all the time. Who's not initiating? Uh, it, do you notice somebody who's shy and hesitant? Can you find a way to edit a scene on their line? Can you find a way to um, uh, make sure everybody has an opportunity to play? Uh, do you have a student who is uh, over eager um, or is maybe making choices that don't work more than they're making choices that do work? Yeah. Can you catch them on task? Can you catch them doing something that worked? And then yeah. go like, that's great. Yeah. Anybody can go, that didn't work. This didn't work. Don't do that. So like, just get those reps in, make sure that teams get their reps in and create a space for them to feel successful when they leave. Now, you mentioned that it took you a while to kind of apply this to improv, but you do have a teaching background. Mm -hmm. I have a teaching background as well. Something that I want. That's to, right. You do teach. Yeah. Uh, and something I wanted to ask about, and I want to also throw my piece in there as well. But what was it like for you as, as someone who you mentioned you were teaching during the day, taking classes, I'm guessing, evenings and uh, uh, weekends? What was your experience like watching like? I mean, look, they're teachers, but they're, they, they may not have experience teaching. What was that? They don't, like? uh, <laughs> um, that, that had its ups and downs, right? Like, yeah. uh, I had to, I, I think I had an advantage in some ways that I was able to filter when I had a teacher or something that I was like, Oh, you know, for me, it was really important to get a, t a coach or a teacher who I liked their style on stage. I liked the way they played. And I quickly learned that like being a great improviser doesn't make you a great teacher. Uh, and being a great teacher doesn't necessarily make you a great improviser. Um, I had some phenomenal improv coaches and teachers who I would say like their stage, the way they play it didn't resonate with me, but they were so good at it. Um, and so, but I was able to filter of like, ooh, that's like an ineffective teaching strategy. I don't need to take that note to heart, right? Uh, or uh, conversely of like, boy, this person is doing a really great job of like 
highlighting things that are working, asking for multiple responses, uh, creating this thing. It's like they are creating a space for me to do a lot of learning and that's excellent. And uh, I think to that teaching part and that coaching part is like, uh, or, and a little bit of that leadership thing is like, I'm not, uh, I don't want to please my teacher. And I don't want to be a teacher who is like, who's going to do what I like. I want a relationship that is saying like, do you feel comfortable taking risks, making choices? Great. Whether you make a choice that I like or don't like, if you made it and it's not minimizing somebody or creating otherness, or it's like, you get a good from me. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, I don't want you to try and do what you think I think is funny as a teacher, there's students who feel tense or threatened or intimidated or fearful, their executive functioning shuts down. Mm -hmm. um, they're in fight or flight response. So you need them to feel relaxed so that their executive functioning works so that they can organize and make lists and respond and listen. Uh, so that's a big component. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. Uh, it sounds like we may have had a lot of similar experiences um, particularly, uh, just to address what you were just saying there, uh, one of the things for me as a, as a teacher is like, uh, uh, that relationship that you have. And, you know, I, I, I'm very lucky in that, like I have pretty small classroom sizes and I also, um, am teaching a lot of adults or sometimes even adults that are older than me, you know? So that relationship and that like status is much more even, which makes it easier for them to trust me and for me to, uh, uh, view them as peers rather than to view that, like, you know, I think traditionally the, the relationship that people have with teachers are like, you know, K through 12 mm -hmm. with an adult. So there's an inherent, you know, uh, status there. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to trust that person or rather some of that trust me, I'll just already be implicit there. But when you're dealing with someone who could be the same age as you, kind of like what you were saying before about how a lot of teachers are like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. That doesn't subtract or take away from the uh, idea that you need to still establish that relationship and they need to still need to feel safe yeah. and trust you that you are looking out for them, you know? And if you are, you know, not in a good place or if you are feeling like threatened by one of your students, like that's not a good, yeah. it's not a good relationship to have. Um, what techniques do you, what do you do? Do you find to build trust and how much, as a comedian, how much do you use humor when you're teaching? A lot, actually. So one of the things I do uh, for my classes, uh, uh, start off with just that's, you know, uh, uh, at UCB, I guess they made you do the name game, right? Like I'm dancing, David. But I think that's so surface and that's a little bit superficial. Uh, I always start off with a, a round table just to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And I think the best thing you can do is ask probing questions, even about, not about like, the, the lesson, but just about them. So someone's like, oh, hi, my name is Jake and I grew up in Colorado and I like football. Good impression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's good. That was unintentional. <laughs> That's uh, good. I'll be like, oh, you know, what part of Colorado? Uh, um, football teams. What football teams do you root mm -hmm. for? You know, yeah, I used to play football too. Did you ever play? So it's just even something as small as that. I know that's a, a very simple, basic gesture, but that is something that right off the bat, every single improv class I've taken, no one's ever... No, it's the name game and it's all right. Uh, uh, let's do 16 minute more minutes of warm ups before yes. we uh, uh, jump in. So 
I don't know them. I don't, or maybe if I do know them, I maybe, again, I think the, the, I don't know, it's weird, but like you, we always, and I'm guilty of this too, we always take classes with improvisers that we respect or hold in high regard. So because they're not interested in getting to know you and because you've already seen them on stage and you've, oh, I've been watching you, you know, on, you know, Harold and I have been watching you um, uh, on the weekend shows or ASCAP for so long. That inherent structure of just like, I need to please you is always going to be there. Versus if they were just like, oh, hey, sorry, my, you know, 2013 Civic broke down. Anybody here for 2013 Civic? Anybody else? Yeah, those Civics suck. All of a sudden, you can kind of get on the same level. Yeah, that's smart. Features, they're just like us. They drive pieces of shit cars too. They are just like us. You know, things like that, I think, is uh, really important to establish. That. Yeah. Uh, uh, another thing that you kind of mentioned um, that I think is really uh, uh, important Um you know, they say that most uh, teachers, most good teachers were once good students. That's because naturally as good students, they've been able to learn from lots of different teaching styles. So even if they get a quote unquote bad teacher, rather it's just a teacher that teaches a specific way or mm. uh, uh, maybe they are kind of like s- skipping some of the finer details. As a good student, you will be, like you mentioned, filling in the gaps for them or tailoring like, okay, he's saying that, but I think he means this. Mm-hmm. So like I've had the privilege and the fortune of being um, just a really good student. So uh, 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 that's the thing that's like really frustrating where it's just like, I get the lesson, but I'm looking around at my peers and I'm like, you didn't really explain that. Yeah. Or today's supposed to be about support moves, but all the exercises have been about heightening. And that's two different, in my, in my head, right. As a good student, I'm like, those seem like two different lesson plans. I would have focused more on the support moves today and then heightening yep. on a different day. So the, the exercises don't really match uh, uh, that. So I think it's uh, uh, important if you want to consider teaching or consider being a coach to one, like, you know, relate to them as, as, as people build that trust and that relationship. But then two, uh, uh, like, I guess really like know what you're talking about, which is, harder uh, it's harder to do harder to diagnose i guess you have to be able to diagnose what you're trying to say or, or what yeah you're trying to do. I, I mean i don't even think you know you brought up something of like oh the heightening and support one thing i would say is like your job as a coach or a teacher is not to show me everything you know right so sometimes this happens in a lot of fields um but it's like, if I give them an assignment that is focused on X, well, it's improv. So a lot of other stuff is going to happen. If they achieve X, I don't need to note them on Y, Z and whatever, right? So it's like, oh, we're doing... And that, and it's like, the more you work with the team, the more you can be a little bit more specific with that. But uh, it's like, if we're going to focus on, yeah, let's say uh support uh moves like walk-ons or whatever and it's like okay um we're uh, it's like i need you to walk on and multiply the unusual behavior or whatever um and then somebody makes a move uh in one of those things that doesn't apply to what we're doing i'm not going to note them on that other thing that other thing didn't work but Again, it's imperfect and it's improv. I can always find something that didn't work. My job is not to look at every scene and point out stuff that didn't work. Yeah. My job is to say like, hey, we're focusing on this. Did you do this? Great. Awesome. The flip side of that is like a scene that works really well, but didn't achieve the thing that we were focused on. And I have to go like, great, excellent scene. 
uh, that it proves the exception to what I was talking about, but I just want to make sure that we identify it uh, so that you can see the difference. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, you didn't cut me off. I just went, <laughs> or I went, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. That example that you mentioned, um, I don't, I, and you know, whoever that person is, I would say that that's a byproduct of a lot of like bad teaching, which I think a lot of people, you know, I've taken classes all over the place with all different teachers and they tend to approach improv holistically. So it means like overall the whole scene when, like you mentioned, it really should just be specific techniques or specific aspects of it. I think it's important to outline what you're working on so that whenever someone does that, but not, you know, they do X, you're telling them we're working on X. And when they do X, everybody can feel good about it. Uh, uh, the fact that a student would be like, okay, yes, he did X, but also he did Y, which is wrong, right? I think that's a byproduct of years and years of, of, of like teachers, like you mentioned, noting everything. One of the big pet peeves I have about a lot of um, the way that uh, uh, students get noted, and this happened right once I started joining Lloyd, I started getting all these different notes. I'm like, these are notes I got back in one-on-one. Not, not that they're the same notes, but these are the same type of notes I've heard. So what that kind of clarified to me is like, you're treating one-on-one students or you're measuring them around uh, against the same rubric as you would someone who's on a house team, right? Which is ridiculous. You have to, it's like whatever they call them, baby steps, you know, just like yeah. a slow progression. You have to make sure that you meet them where they are. So, of course, if we're just doing one on one, working on yes and, but if you're like, yes, you did yes and, but also you did 15 other things wrong, that's going to train that whole class because they've seen them, they got the, the negative reinforcement. They're all just like, oh, whenever anybody does that wrong, doesn't matter what we're working on, doesn't matter what level they are, doesn't matter what we're doing, we got to call that stuff out. Right. So I don't know what the qualifications really are to be an improv teacher at like, you know, official schools. Mm -hmm. It does seem like just being a good improviser, being on a house team, having a like track record mm -hmm. is what helps. It also seems like just having uh, marketability, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, hey, Jake, that, that teacher that asked you to coach a workshop. It's just like, yeah. I think if you taught a class, people would uh, uh, sign up for it. Mm -hmm. But what would you say are the actual requirements, if any, or prerequisites there should be to becoming an improv teacher, aside from being able to sell you know, right. uh, uh, 18 slots? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know what the actual ones are. I, I, I mean, I know they're always looking and they're even, uh, you know, like a school like UCB is always looking and they're looking outside. I think it says that now, like we'll take people without uh, UCB experience or whatever. I don't know what that means. Um, for me, I think the requirement is like, um, have you, uh, you know, have you failed a lot? Uh, have you made a ton of, and I know I just talked about failure, but I mean, like, have you made a ton of choices that didn't work? Um, have you done this for a while? Uh, and, like it, it is a, and it's like, I don't think you need to have done it that long. Um, I also don't think like getting on a house team qualifies you to do it. I think what qualifies you to be uh, somebody who could do it or say that they could do it is like, do you have an education background? Great. Um, uh, are you going to create like, are you comfortable coming in and not feeling like you have to earn your money by, pointing out everything that isn't working in the thing. Right. And dependability. I, I know that's a weird one, but it's like, can you be there? 
this is improv. It attracts people who don't do homework, who don't like to prepare, revise, who, who live a little more loose and casual. It's like, can you show up? Have you had experience? Have you had teaching experience? And can you sit there without ego and let somebody, let people like uh, controlled chaos, essentially, right? Keep them on track for two hours. Don't talk for more than 30 minutes of the combined two hours and let them just run stuff and make sure that they all leave feeling successful. I think anybody for coaching, right? For teaching, I think you want to lesson plan. Uh, you know, I backwards plan. That's a teach for America thing. It's like, what's my goal? Great. How do I want to get there? What's the step before the goal? Great. How do I get to the next step? Great. Where do I want to start? All right. Uh, what do I want students to be able to do by the end of this? Cool. What materials or resources do I need? Uh, it should be something that they can hear and also see. The warm up should have a purpose. The exercises should have a purpose, uh, a purpose, not every purpose, right? Like you were saying. And then, like, let's run a couple sets at the end. Uh, and, like, and stay on time. Show up, like, start on time, end on time. Uh, make sure that they are improvising more than you are talking. Mm -hmm. And look for opportunities to make people feel seen and successful. That will get you pretty far. There's plenty of people who are doing other stuff. You can get pretty far by being like, uh, I'm going to create a space where you feel safe to play around. I don't know if that answered that. Yeah, no, true words spoken by someone who had six coaches in six months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that reliability, that dependability is really uh, important. It's huge. Yeah, one thing that really resonated with me that you mentioned was the the failure thing. You know, uh, uh, I actually didn't study uh, uh, education coming up. The, re the reason why I got my job, and I think the reason or the thing that makes me good at it is I used to work. So I work at a software company. I teach people how to use our software. But before I was the trainer on that um, for that product, I was working in tech support. So I've seen a lot of mistakes. I've made the mistakes that people using, you know, the users have made the mistakes. So I had to go in and fix it. So I had to get an intimate knowledge of technique, yeah. not of, you know, like how it goes well or what's supposed to go well, but knowing the common mistakes or the errors or the, or whatever, the, the conflicts or whatever that's uh, uh, prevents the software from working successfully. Uh, uh, and, and when you can do that, or when I, since I was able to do that, I knew how to approach things and how to explain things from a, uh, 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 well, this is a little off or this is the, you're getting this error, mm -hmm. the root of this error or the places to look for, for this error are going to be here. Uh, I think a better way of explaining that, a less technical way of explaining that is like cooking. You know, uh, if you're a natural, some people are just natural. It's like, oh yeah, I can just smell it. I can just, whatever. I can see flavors and they can cook really well. Great, but you're not going to be able to teach anybody because you have that natural inability. So if you're natural at something where you always do it perfectly, you can't help anybody unless they're also yeah. natural gifted talents. But if you are someone who's like, oh, hey, I've baked a million cakes and only three of them have been good. This is too watery because you added too much of yep. this or not enough of that. So if you've seen the mistake because you've made the mistake a million times, you are then able to kind of, again, like, I hate the, I, I keep using the word like diagnose, but I think that's, it is, yeah. From it's a, a job guess. thing yeah. for, uh, at work. I would say, you know, something you talked about of like asking people uh, where they're from and having those conversations, like something that I think a good teach, a qualification for a good teacher is like 
seeking to understand rather than seeking to be understood, right? I think it, it's counter to what you might think it is. It's like, oh, I need to be a good teacher uh, because I have all this knowledge and information. And it's like, I think what makes you a good teacher is trying to understand where you're, like you said, meet your students where they're at, trying to understand what they're trying to get out of it, trying to, and to understand what they intended to do versus what happened, right? It's so much more about listening and observing than it is about talking and giving information. Uh, I think that that's, I think that does a, a huge service to sort of saying like, I'm here, what do you want to do? What do you, you know? Um, uh, I had a team recently be like, we'd like more critical feedback. Uh, and that's not something that I necessarily use regularly that often, but it's like, I hear you. Let's try it. Let's go for it. If I'm not the person to do it, that's okay. We'll find somebody who is, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time, but I don't want to say, no, no, I want you to do it my way. And I think there are very effective coaches who do that. Uh, here's how we're going to do it. You're going to do it my way. Uh, but I think you should be able to sort of say like, I hear you. Let's see what we can do about that. Uh, I want to, uh, uh, take it back to something that you mentioned earlier. You mentioned the three kind of staples or, or focus points of we, you mentioned uh, smaller or small group, mm -hmm. uh, learning. You mentioned, uh, uh more reps mm -hmm. and what was the third one? Uh, weekly performances, weekly performances. Uh, uh, there was a third one then I think it was the same as the second one, right? Uh, small group, high reps, performances. performances. Okay. So does that mean uh, uh, the shortcomings that you identified uh, with your other classes in the past were the fact that classroom sizes are too big, mm -hmm. not enough reps, too mm -hmm. much talking or exercises, and then not enough shows? Yep. So what do you think is about those three things? And why, like, why did you build or structure we around that? Why are those three things so critical? Um, because that, when I got on the mess hall, right. So that was my first house team experience. It was like my seventh audition. Um, and, uh, my experience was a class with 15 people. Maybe I got to know, maybe I didn't, or a team that I created where I knew everybody. And in either of those situations, performance was its own thing that I didn't have any experience with. So I was like, this is going to feel like a team experience. We're going to do more in four weeks than you do in eight. Uh, you're going to feel like a team at the end of this. You're going to, uh, basically I reduced the number of factors so that somebody can feel and learn about their own experience. I was like, I know what improv is. I know how to do this, but it was like, I was like, oh, I haven't done it with strangers and I haven't done it in front of people. So now there's all these new factors involved. Um, and so my thing is like week one, you're going to get up on stage. It's going to be weird. You're going to be like, I can't believe we're doing a show. But by week four, I feel very confident that a team that a workshop of eight or nine people, four workshops and four shows by the end of that, they will be pretty good. They will be, things will be hitting consistently because they just did a bunch of scenes together they start to know each other uh, and they're less precious about it. Cause it's like, Oh, we're doing shows all the time. It's not like a four o'clock show in front of three people that I'm super nervous about and 
my teacher counted one, two, one, two. And I now on a team with people I've never even done a scene with. And it's like improv is a team art form. It is collaborative. It needs to be set up to teach it that way. Right. Well said. Uh, all right. One last thing I will say, just to kind of speak to uh, uh, all that we've been talking about in doing the, this podcast and in talking to my guests and hearing their journeys through improv, one thing has rung true more than anything uh, at all about their journeys. And it's the fact that nobody or rather everybody feels like their improv experience or their, you know, careers never really took off until after 401, which I think says a lot about classes and the way that things are being taught so like if you are feeling like you're not getting it in the class or you're not feeling confident ready unfortunately that's kind of almost by design you're going to finish 401 you may even take a couple of advanced study classes and it's still not going to feel good or right in your mind yeah unfortunately the what everyone says that really does get them feeling more confident like more uh uh, uh in touch with their instrument is the indie scene creating those teams, creating those practice groups, getting reps with people that they know and like and trust, finding a coach that they know and like and trust. And uh, I don't know, one last little plug for we, something that you do really well on those three things that you mentioned that you do, you really do uh, uh, facilitate the indie uh, uh, experience or the indie mindset very well. So for those of you out there that are looking to like, you know, improve, I would say, the best thing you can do is get into the indie scene and find coaches that get that and understand that. If they're, if you have a teacher or coach that's only done UCB and only done like the structure and like the, the big house theater systems, it may, they may not be able to help you out unless yeah. you're naturally gifted like them. Yeah, well said. Um, all right, great. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up with uh, our last segment, which is our hot improv takes. Uh, do you have one or would you like me to go first? Why don't you go first? Okay, sure. I'll go first. I have one, but I want to hear you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hot improv take. Don't say anything in the premise that you don't want people like joking about or doing a scene about. That's the whole point of doing an opening. Uh, you're not trying to be fun or cute or talk about how cool you are. Everything you say is up for grabs. So like, don't be like, you know, my mom divorced my dad when I was 13. Because we're going to do a scene about that. And if it's going to be traumatic, like... Yeah, duh, you you threw it out there. I don't know. I just, uh, I think that there's a lot of times I've seen people in openings, whether it be a rant, and I get it because mm -hmm. improv is about not thinking and you just kind of shoot it off. But then in the back line, they're kind of in horror. They're like, why are they talking about my parents' divorce? I, yeah. a tough time for me. Is that a hot take? I think that's excellent. Like, that Well, so many people a... are doing it. I, yeah. guess, I guess the hot take is uh, if you do it, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to ridicule it. Yeah, you should Sorry. use it. I am going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the audience laughed or or rather even if they didn't laugh. They're like the fact that you brought this to us to the stage uh, 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 is the thing that we're joking about. Yeah. You know, that's a great one. You're right. That may not be a hot take, but I just haven't <laughs> seen it so much. I'm glad you said it. I had to say I agree. About it. It's yeah. It's good. Uh, I think like sometimes it's like, man, that's weird that you did that. Weird for me. I don't have a negative connotation with weird is like. That's weird. That's the whole reason I'm up here to hear that you do stuff different than I do stuff. And my stuff should sound fucking weird to you. Like, that's the whole point. All right. Ready? Yeah. You're my in improv one? take. Uh, my hot take is that I think uh, the improv team should, uh, uh, I think teams should be teams that practice. 
uh, I think uh, I, for whatever reason, improv has developed this thing where it's like, if you've been doing it long enough, you don't need to practice. Uh, and it, it allows for a lot of like mashups and like what I call like collage teams where it's like, we just grab these people and put them together. And it's like, I think that's fine every once in a while, but any other team activity where you rely on other people, they rehearse and practice. The Nuggets are going to practice next season. They won, but they're not going to just be like, we're going to show up and have a good time. Like the reduction in practice and rehearsal to me is absurd. And I think like people rehearse plays and they have scripts, which are on, keeps you on the rails. We're making all of this up. Uh, you should know the person that you're improvising with well, and you should practice. Um, I might get myself into a little bit of trouble for that one, but I think like <laughs> if you're performing regularly, you should be practicing. Uh, I don't think you're going to get in trouble, but I will say, are you, this, this sounds very targeted <laughs> towards like a team that doesn't practice. I can tell when a team is no longer practicing. I can tell when they've been practicing. And I think you, it's like, I don't know. You're not, it's never not going to make you better. Yeah. It's never not worth it. I know we're busy and stuff like that, but then it's like, maybe don't do as many shows or yeah. do whatever. I think. No, it's I hear you. Uh, I can definitely say, uh, 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 you know, Hey, sorry to like put people on blast, <laughs> but like I see a lot of people that just, they show up or they say, Hey, I'm starting a new team. And the team is, starting to submit already and i'm just like oh i see you're you're trying to get more show reps you're trying to get more bookings but the foundation isn't there yeah and then you see these teams at our practice where it's like hey you know they're 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 newer but because they've been working together for much longer you're like oh yeah that makes sense that they're doing a better set you know yeah or you'll all see like a workshop and uh, and it's like you know harold knight lloyd knight yeah the 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 improvisers on those teams get really good. Why? Cause they're practicing and performing regularly. Like I will have a workshop that at the end of the four weeks knocks it out of the park. And I might have another team uh, that shows up and I'm like, you guys didn't practice that workshop had a, a their show was hotter. It clicked hotter. Yeah. Uh, and I can tell. And it's like, I know it's a lot of work, but yeah, just practice. All right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, yeah. I think those might've been two of the most mild takes, <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's, it's based on what we're feeling right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So you know what? They are hot takes yeah. given the climate. Yeah. Uh, all right. One last thing to, uh, to wrap up uh, your plugs, plug away everything you got. Um, go to weimprov.org If you want to sign up for workshops, you, know, you can buy shirts now. Um, I wrote a book. Uh, you can buy my book at the website. Uh, it's a, it has a lot of improv in there, but it's about a personal, uh, it's like a memoir. I went on a improv podcast tour, uh, after some, uh, relationships came to an end. So you can read a lot about my personal life. Um, that's it. Go see, uh, David at Lloyd night, uh, and see bitchin at Harold night, uh, and see glass clown all over town. They're going to be at the, 
uh holy shit improv festival right uh they've got a show they're at we improv uh the first and third fridays um and you have your own show once a month right yeah that's great wow thanks so much for plugging you bet i love glass clown oh, thank you're you so a much. testament to teamwork uh, we're a testament yeah and uh uh people love we were you. i don't think i've ever said this but well, maybe i did we uh, uh, Glass Town started at we we were a workshop team, yeah, and then we practiced and look at where we are. Now. I love it. I truly do. Uh, <laughs> I point to you guys all the time. You're excellent. Oh, uh, thank you so much. All right, well, uh, thanks so much for coming down to talk about. Thank it. you. Uh, are you kidding? This was great. Yeah, amazing stuff. Um, great. Uh, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Bye everybody. Bye all. Good job. That was hey, a great. Man, that was great.